guy in a rubber suit. Whoa! My mom can make a better movie than shut this. Up! Are you talking to me? I'm not gonna shut up. You shut up. War of the Monsters, Tough Claw to Claw Combat, where only the meanest monster survives. Rated T for Teen. Kaiju. <laughs> Mega evolutions, yeah. I guess. Giganto maxing. Yeah, that was a thing. Got, yeah. There's there's multiple kaiju elements in the anime, right? Yeah, like you know, you got like Rayquaza and uh Jirachi Wishmaker has like that evil Groudon that's a kaiju. I already don't know what's going on. <laughs> they don't do the Pokemon that are like, oh, it, they got mixed in with the toxic ooze and radiation. I guess are, is Muck a pollutant Pokemon? Like, was that's Alolan Muck's backstory? Yeah, it ate. Um, oh, they used it to clean up the islands, and it ate up all the toxic waste and became rainbow colored. See, what does your head in about Pokemon is when you look up all their heights as an adult, and you find out like Charizard is five is five feet tall. Sorry, what? <laughs> Charizard Charizard's a short king. He's a manlet. So is Blastoise. I... Is Venusaur bigger? Wider, yeah. You probably no wider. Is wider. I think Venusaur like is only like four foot six or some shit. Oh god, huh? I could take Charizard. Uh, hey everybody, this is the Daydreamcast with Bro and Murph and guest star Steven. Star, thank you. Shine yet. Second time around, mm. and this time with a new co-host. Yeah, I mm. will be providing notes at the end. <laughs> uh, so we are starting with Citizen Sleeper. We are starting of Citizen Sleeper, a the, one of the games du jour that I played because people said that it was good. Uh, you played it as well, bro, right? Yes. Um, I want to know what you think, genuinely, first, because you know I'm I'm new to video games. That's that's bait. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. bait. I, I I usually I usually wait for other people mm, to I have know. their opinion, and then I pick theirs apart, and then I look better. I'm just kidding. Uh, I I didn't love it. I liked it. Um, there it. Like, I think the most interesting part of the game was time and resource management. Yes. And then they just they just interweave the resource management into like a visual novel thing. There's not I'm worried there's not really real choices in the game other than what you devote your resources yeah. to. Um but that being said, the story I'm being told is good and fine enough that I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And it and like the mechanics do reflect in the pressures I feel um, in the game. Basically, you're an android synthetic uh, being on a space station and you are owned by a company and you're in hiding, basically, trying to make a living and survive. But that's really hard to do. And uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting, but I don't love the game now. I, I think it's really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I've been a bit of a, like, on a, on a pause from playing many video games, and this is the kind of thing when I played loads of the kind of thing that I would be straight onto, so it was nice to get back into this kind of space. Um, for me, it felt like 
what if you turned like the social link aspect of persona into just the entire game um yeah which is kind of like the bit that i kind of like like the most but then it's weird not to have the bit around that i like how cohesive it is i like that it is both basically it's a spreadsheets and menu game but it hides it very very nicely i think i do like games that are very very gamey but use gamey elements as part of the narrative i like that i've got several characters who are different ways of being resource drops so there are a few like currencies basically and it's very kind of like mm-hmm. open about it of you meet a character that's just like i just want these things and i'm like okay that's just there to be for that into so you're just like picking the mm-hmm. things you're looking into but it's also got that really nice kind of like civilization it's on a loop thing one more turn thing i've been fine i found it really like compulsive to keep playing it i liked getting into the rhythms yeah. of it of deciding what to do i felt that I was carving out a character within a constrained space, but I still felt my character was my character, and I was very satisfied with the ending that I got. I finished it earlier than I could have done, because I wanted to get it done so I could play more things, um, but I also felt that getting out early, that it let me do that, and was true to my character, and like the idea of being like, you want the game to be done, it can just be done, because it is about escape um, and and hiding, and I love that element was there. And I think the story is really interesting, um, and nicely written, um, which is not always the case. Is this a like a single narrative thing, or is it like a roguelike? It's a singular narrative. Yeah. Like, I, okay, roguelike is not what this what's going on here. No. Like, literally, there's just different nodes on the space station. You don't you basically see a map of the space station. You click on the node, which is the room or area yeah. of the space station, and then there's a person tied to the area, or there's a job tied to the yes. area, or something. And you do the thing and you devote time to it. And time means energy. And energy is also like starting to decay. Part like because you can't live on your own. You need special stimulants yeah. to survive. You uh. need food to survive. You need all these different mechanics. So you're going to different places to get different things and satisfy you or your quest. Or there's also people out there trying to hunt you down. Yes. Or other things that are like, okay, I need to worry about them too. So I'm going to spend some time paying off debt to criminals or whatever and, and it, it visualizes all that stuff really nicely so you know that something's timing down we don't know what exactly is going to happen at the end it's not just like it'll be a game over here you're like i know something will happen when this bar fills and i know when it's going to fill and therefore it just becomes another uncertainty to deal with it's it's, it's, a, it's a spinning plate simulator but it's a very kind of like chill one with quite a sad story Morph's pro spreadsheet i like a spreadsheet every now and again mm. i mean i do that for a living uh, does this have like combat or is it more like Disco Elysium? So, yeah, it, it, it is. It is. So Disco Elysium, which I absolutely adore. It, it is. It is close to that. It's, I don't know. I don't know what you people like with like tabletop games. It, it, it's very much like the powered by the apocalypse system. I don't know if ever you, either of you have played like a tabletop game that uses that system. I know of it. So it's like, it's the idea of like, I really like how this game plays. I think it's, it's a very unique idea. So you, you have five dice, um, five die. Um, I forget which one's the plural. Leave me alone. Um, and if you have full energy, you get five every day and the, your energy decreases in chunk. And so therefore they roll every day and you have to spend those dice. Um, and if it is a six or a five, it's a high chance. It's like a success, um, three, four, neutral, one, two, failure. But it rolls it as a chance of that. Um, so you spend your die on different things. So if you're like, this will always work, I'm going to do this thing. This one may not work, but I'm going to gamble it. And then there's this hacking little game that like uses up your like low numbers very very nicely. So it's this fun little like resource thing mixed with dice rolling. I, I like the idea of it giving you the pool and you being able to spend them. I thought that was a really smart idea, and I haven't played a thing like that before. I was worried when I started the game that the dice rolling was going to be too heavy of a factor, but the game is actually 
probably too easy. Oh yeah, I agree. I thought it was going to be like huge, like, oh my god, I'm like, I thought it was going to be more like a papers please kind of thing of like yes. the strugglers that you can't get by. And I found myself getting by far too easily. And like, I'd fall into being like, oh, I'm going to fail. And I'm like, oh, the next time, like, I'm absolutely fine. And, and honestly, to me, I think that informs like what I was saying earlier regarding replay value. And because mm. you have multiple classes to start with. And basically those classes ensure what resources are easier to get. Yeah. And what you're able to do with it an easier like die roll it gives you bonus die rolls and stuff um or bonus perks and if it was a harder game i think those classes would matter way more and it, i would be more incentivized to like okay if i got punished and i lost on this yes. quest maybe maybe this time around i can do this quest right but like it's it's all good you know I, I think that's a really good point. I, it does that classic thing of also starting with it showing you three classes because you don't know the game yet. I'm like, well, I don't really know which one to pick because like I'm not yeah. in the mechanics. It's not like a warrior rogue thing. I'm like, I don't know what these three things mean really. So I'm just going to pick one yes. kind of randomly and it doesn't feel like it has a huge impact. So I feel like no. they could have done a better thing around there, I guess. It, 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 it feels like a really interesting idea and I'd like to see the ideas and it expanded. And I agree, I'd like to see it more like more divergent, more the kind of thing that you would have to re-roll and start again and actually, like, struggle through. I would play a sequel to this, yeah, mm. for sure. Where it, where it's elaborated on yeah. and expanded upon. Yeah, yeah totally. It doesn't feel like the, there's, like, like, the plot has a lot of branching options, or does it feel like you always go towards, like, the same ending? Hmm. I think it's really weird. I feel like what I'd actually really like about the plot is it doesn't feel like it's a main story. It feels like you are just, like, there, and you are filling out things that would feel like side tasks and everything else. Um... Everything is a side quest. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. The, say the only goal is just to to survive and to leave. So it's just like you're trying to work your way towards that, and it's like you bump into people. So everything feels optional. Therefore, everything also feels mandatory because it's part of that. It's part of you getting by. Surviving is the aim. So it's just so they got a point right. So I I befriended this person. We had quite a long arc, and they were like, "My ship's fixed. I'm leaving. Do you want to come with me?" I went, "Yes." Credits. There was like a little bit of explanation before that, but I thought that I could just do that. It was really cool. And I bet like there was a time with loads of time left on it for a big thing to happen. So I skipped out way before that. I guess the game could have kept going for quite a while. I don't really know, but I like that. I could just be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of like resolutions. Like there's like corporate intrigue because there's multiple companies mm. on the thing. Like those side plots, you could completely beeline and ignore, but are also probably the meat of the political and social commentary. Yes. So like, it's really a matter of like, and for Steven, it was like a, a personal uh, story in that way where it's like he was immersed in the in the body of the class. We played the same class. We did. So I also don't think it was that different. But I, but like, as you said before, the, the classes didn't convey difference no. at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it described very nicely on the um, Waypoint podcast of Renata on that was saying that it, it feels like a good translation of like, disability under capitalism of the idea of like a world just not allowing for you to exist and making it difficult um and i think it conveys some of those ideas really really nicely yeah i could i yeah i definitely see that and like technically like the complaint i had i'm sure it could be modded yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? it feels like it's waiting for like a super hard mode um which would, yeah. would be cool okay okay want to move on to one video game down murph's uh gaggle of indie games this week Mm. tell me what the fuck this is i didn't even look it up you listed three na three names of three games and i was like okay fine okay so the amazing american circus of the three games i brought uh for this episode this is like my least favorite okay. um 
it's got a, starting off strong. It's got an interesting <laughs> premise. It is a a, a card battling RPG. Um, I'm not too familiar with this genre, but I'm told it's almost identical to uh, Darkest Dungeon or Slay the Spire. Okay. Yeah, this seems like um, every third game now. Sure. But the premise is is that uh, rather than being like warriors fighting monsters, it's your circus performers appeasing an audience. Oh, that's cool. So that's like the that's like the the flavoring. Um the issue is is that the game it it's not very good at tutorializing, especially since every kind of performer has like some sort of unique gimmick that you need to like the first time you use them in a performance, you need to like spend 10 minutes like figuring out what the card is telling you it does. Um it just doesn't feel very clear a lot of the time and then also it has a lot of feature bloat so not only do you do like the performances but then also your your performers always have like unique quirks or flaws which are like negative aspects to them but then also after shows they can get cursed and then but they can also get injuries which are different from curses and you require a different uh structure in your campground to get rid of and it's always like a payment and you're always burning money like curing your performers um so, like I said, I'm not too familiar with this genre, so maybe I'm averse to it at that, but it's just... L- let me let me ask you. Uh, do you... Does this game reflect and do you value the idea of learning through pain? <laughs> like, does, th- does this... Does, I'm, I'm being serious, though. Does Like, when you say the game doesn't convey things... It, does it give you an environment to which you can be punished and you can learn? Or does it sort of fail in that? I think it sort of fails in that. The issue with this game is that it's very easy to doom spiral in a um, in a performance. So how it works, I don't know if Darkest Dungeon does this, but like every you can field three performers. Each one adds five cards to your deck. When your performer gets down to zero health, you remove one of their cards from the deck and then once they're at zero cards they're removed from the performance and the issue is every time you have to shuffle your discord your discards back into your deck all of your performers take half damage so two reshuffles you're already discarding three cards because all performers have 10 health and then the fewer performers you have the fewer cards like you can actually play per turn so once you're already down to like already losing like three cards per performer the performance is pretty much a wash there's it's either and when it's not being like difficult like that it's very easy in fact with all these like complex mechanics they put in i was getting by pretty much just having like high damage cards i mean it's not damage it's impress value but you know the flavoring and i was just i was just spamming those and getting by like most of the performances so, Stephen, by the way, do you have any do you have any experience with any of these three games just discussed right now? Because I have an opinion. No, I have to wait. No. Okay. All right. So the weird thing is, number one, Darkest Dungeon is not a card game. Slay oh. the Spire is. Oh, Darkest okay. Dungeon is, however, a a death spiral party game. So what you're describing <laughs> absolutely sounds like Slay the Spire, which is a card game where you go through dungeons, meets darkest dungeon darkest dungeon is absolutely a game where you take in like 
four uh, characters. I, you have to worry about party order and different mechanics like that. But as soon as one starts to go and they die, like you really have to worry about your entire party because it could be an entire wash in the matter of uh, 10 minutes and you would have wasted hours. Okay. That is absolutely part of the genre. Um, so I think that's very I interesting. I was reloading to mix a lot of the, saves. The, the thing is, is like, I'm, I'm curious to see how that mixes with the RNG aspects of a card game like Slay the Spire. Because as you just said, you could break the game as well. Um, so like, I, that's really a game where the balance has to be like in the details. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like it's difficult because your performers have all these like, mechanics where you need to like set up combos and things and then your opponents i.e the audience just have like abilities where it's like oh this turn i'm going to ignore 10 damage or um one of the one of the enemy classes the mormon uh has an ability (laughs) where they only take one damage and then all the other damage they would have been taken is turned into like shields that protect them from further damage and it's like you have to map funny. your way around that. Is is the game funny? Uh, some of the um, animations are neat. Um, my issue is in something like a um, like a Darkest Dungeon. I did look up like gameplay for comparison. Um, the like stock audio noises, like the like the oh the ah, you know that like the damage yeah. sounds. In this, it's like people yawning or canned laughter and if you're not a very upbeat circusy guy (laughs) you may find that exhausting (laughs) especially since there's no like speed up function yeah i mean that like i put in three hours i don't really want to play any more um that all said i am a i am a sympathetic person i am what the kids call an empath i'm on that nice core (laughs) shit oh god (laughs) okay So when I get an achievement in this game for beating 10 performances, not even like 10 performances in a row, just 10 performances, and it's a ultra-rare achievement that only 7% of the player base have, eh, I kind of feel a little empathetic for the devs. Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, at least more people have heard of it now. Yeah. Um, So, like, maybe I'm just averse to the genre, but... I, I don't think I would recommend it. It's got mixed reviews on Steam. Is is the mixed reviews because of the difficulty? Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Yeah, most people just have difficulty getting through the battles. It, it, and I'm looking at like people that have played a lot more than I have, and they say once you're once you're over that like difficulty hump, then the game gets ridiculously easy, and you're just kind of grinding. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a more graceful way to do that. Darkest Dungeon's not like that. It, it, it's that's probably that bizarre mix showing an ugly side to uh, it, because you don't want to feel like it's chance, and you want to feel like you overcome challenges. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Right at the end, I got a performer that's a math solving chicken, um, and all of its <laughs> cards are based on the Fibonacci sequence. There we go. Where it's like, oh, if the total value of the cards in your hand is the next number in the Fibonacci sequence, then <laughs> you'll deal double damage this turn. And I'm like, okay, if more of the performers had like weird shit like this, it would probably be a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if if that was what the game was, I'd like it, even if it was bad. You yeah. know what I mean? But the like, issue, the, the issue there is, I already had a performer that had that ability without me needing to do math. 
oh man yeah yeah that 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 pretty much sums it up i uh, are are you good on that one yeah i'm i've i've said what i needed to say <laughs> how much is it right now you can get it for a cool 20 dollars Okay. Never mind. I'm not Gosh. getting it for $20. <laughs> Anyways, Steven, speaking of difficult games. Yeah, so there's, there's this video game, right, called Spelunky HD, I guess is what it's called, um, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, it's a game that, I guess, like it's like a decade ago now. Jesus Christ. It's that, old. Yeah. And this is obviously based on a previous game, Spelunky, that then was like, was, was it actually an Xbox Live Arcade game? Is that how old it is? I believe okay. so. Wait, was it yeah, under I that remember, banner? I remember wait, wait one second. Let, let me get let me get this stuff. All right. So back in the, like the original original inspiration was Spelunking. Yes. For like the NES and stuff. Derek, you made mm-hmm. like a PC freeware game. Yeah. Called Spelunky. Spelunky HD is the Xbox. Yeah. And then this is like around like Summer of Arcade kind of time, like of that era of stuff, um, which we're now in a very different sphere to. Um, Spelunky is a game that I played to hell and back on my Vita, really. Um, and on the PlayStation, I had a bunch of friends playing at the time. Like the daily run was a huge thing. There's at least a couple of times where I spent literally all night playing Spelunky. I played so much of it. Um, I was never very good at it, but got to the point where I played it so much that, like, I was okay. Like, it's a game that I did manage to finish. Um, not the crazy, like, hard finish, but it's just a game that I just love so much and just enjoyed the act of playing it. And when I heard that there was a Splunky 2 announced, I was like, oh my god, a Splunky 2? That's absolutely incredible. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for that. And then the more and more I thought about it actually existing, I was like, I don't know if I want just that again i have Splunky. i don't really need it to be another one and then i just never got around to it when it came out for that reason of being like i just i could just play Splunky again um mm-hmm. and then for this podcast i decided you know what since i love Splunky so much i should play Splunky too um and all i'd heard about it was that it was very very difficult and you're thinking Splunky one is going to be very, very difficult i hear this is just like way more than that and i started playing it and i was messaging um these two yesterday about it um and i was just like this is just really hard and rough and um, not really fun, <laughs> like straight from the beginning. And I was like, oh my God, am I, I going to be that person that's just like, have I aged out of this? Am I not like back in the game space much anymore? Have like lots of the things like this feels like Splunky, but it's just not what I wanted. And it felt like so many things. I was like, it was like Googling things while well, I, I bing, I'm a bing man. Um, I was binging things um, and people were responding to message boards being like, oh, this is so hard. Why is it so hard? And they're giving these cogent points about there are too many enemies in the level, um, about some of the tile sets. I was like, yeah, yeah, you people are right. And I went to bed, um, and I woke up in the morning and played more of it, and was like, oh, this game's amazing. <laughs> and I like. There we go. And I got into the room. It's because it's of you, bro. It's because you messaged saying, like, yeah, it's it's really hard up front, and then you get through that wall, and then it's fine. And you're right, like, totally, of I learnt those things. I guess I wasn't used to learning again, of I forgot the beginning of Spelunky was learning, and because it looks so similar, I was like, I know these things. Why is it pushing back against me? And. Now the difference is interesting to me. Now I'm doing a lot better. I'm enjoying it so much. And the things that are different are standing out really interestingly. And it's just so satisfying. And I'm getting lost into spirals of just playing and playing Spelunky. And it, it, it feels like an intelligent sequel of a, it is the this but more, intelligently more. I think the challenge is now very, very satisfying. And I think it needed to be that abrupt at the beginning to get me reinvested. Because I was just like, well, it's just Spelunky again. So yeah, now I am fully involved. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. There we go. I could, we converted somebody. This is good. I, I like Spelunky 2 a lot now. I, mm. Like I, I grew on it quite a bit. Uh, 
especially in terms of content, I think it was really smart about how just, you know, it's just so minor stuff that can feel so instrumental, like the mounts. Yeah. Like, when I worked out those, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yes. Where it's like basically like they added Yoshis. They added yeah. different types of Yoshis. And it's like, it just makes the game breathe in such a nice and different way. And I like how the dungeons progress now mm -hmm. and where you largely have options for how you can engage. Where when you get through like one general area, you have a choice of like how hard you want to go. And um, you can choose between going like the the normal baby, not baby, it's all <laughs> hard, but like the normal route. And then it's like, I could go deeper and I could go fucking deeper. And like the, oh, the original Spelunky, if you do three things in the one dungeon, you can do one thing here and you've got a super secret dungeon coming up. Yeah. And it's like, it's super great. I, I was also surprised, like, so I got to the end of the first world and I was like, oh, God, there's like a, a boss at the end of the first world. What is this? And like, I, I met it a few times. It just killed me. I was like, this is just not fun. Um, I was like, I only just got here and I've been destroyed. And now I'm like, that's such an enjoyable part of my run. Now I'm like, ah, this guy appears and it has to do with him. He's not really a boss. He's an obstacle. And like, it's really yes. good at throwing things at you. And you're like, what is this? You're like, oh, that's actually not what I thought it was. It's just, again, Derek Yu is just amazing at just finding little things that change everything, but don't feel like they do to begin with. But then it still feels like Spelunky and it fills into like the whole idea of like everything works together. It's still clockwork. It's still kind of funny when you get hit to something, hit to something, hit to something and then just die. And it's fun to re-roll and stuff again. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm amazed how good it is. Uh, I would, I would also say like, I don't know how you feel about the art direction. Mm. Like for me, Spelunky HD was still very tied in like a very traditional, like yeah. Indiana Jones aesthetic. And there's still some of that into, but I think two went for, more less glossy HD and more um, of a simple, simple but really colorful palette. Yes. And with the story or whatever, like your roster of characters to start, it starts with your uh, with Spelunky guy's uh, young daughter, and you play as her. And like just that entire character design of like all the different new characters or returning characters redesigned, they all look great. I actually really like the aesthetic now too. Yeah, so I'm big fan. I agree, and there's even little things that I like. Like, I forgot that a certain thing wasn't default, so I, like any sensible person, always had the damsels set to the pug, and I forgot that they were originally coded as damsels, and that was a, bit, yes. a really weird thing. And I was like, oh god, I forgot that was a thing. So for those that haven't played it, like, you can rescue characters once per level, there's one in every level, and if you get them to the end, because it's, you know, a little run-based level-based, then you get an extra heart, and your hearts are how many hits you can take. And in the original game, it's just a woman that you just find in there and you save, but you can just change it to be a pug dog instead. And I did that straight away and forgot that wasn't the default. And this game sets it to pets as the default. They're like different pets. And just like, oh, there you go. Like, that's a smart thing to learn straight away. It, yeah, it solves it solves the problems and like it addresses the criticisms. Mm. You know what I mean? So loved it. Yeah. I, I, oh, I also set the controls back to not run all the time because I was muscle memorying holding down the run button and realized like why am i doing that i'm already running <laughs> so i ha yeah. had to turn that off because my fingers are so used to playing the game a certain way it's like when i play a new halo game and i'm so used to halo one two three controls that i have to change them because others i'm like oh why am i not meleeing you that's the wrong button murph tell me about spellcaster you i'm still so processing is this a game for the Steven. wii u i'm still processing <laughs> steven saying he's that. a bing man that's, that's a political statement. That's the most controversial thing points. I've ever heard him say. It gives me Microsoft points, which I can then spend on Game Pass, and that means I can play games for this podcast, right? <laughs> oh. What the fuck?
Okay. This is crazy. I'm learning a lot here. I also, this is a very educational case. I also just like to say I'm a big man. It just amuses me. It's just a great everyday joke to have. It doesn't I, really matter what surgeon you use. No, wait. Chandler is Bing. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> surgeon is just like, oh, they're all basically the same. Who really cares? It's funny to say you're a big it, man. It, it feels like a Seinfeld thing where it's like George Costanza's like, you're a big man. Exactly. It's a, it's a fun everyday gag. It's at least one person goes like, what? And Once a day. And I'm like, you can't be a big I'm man. A big man. You're, you're I kidding me. I've been like the best of them. I binged it. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Kramer, what surgeon did engine do you use? <laughs> well, I'm still a Mozilla guy, Jerry. <laughs> I'm a Cosia over here. <laughs> duck, duck, go. Let's oh. all just name search engines for a while. Spellcaster University. Uh, not a Wii U game. Not a Wii U game. Is it like Monsters University? Ridiculous. I guess in a way. Um. So, what... <laughs> On the surface, looking at the Steam page, you so may think game. that this is like some sort of like sim hospital like management tycoon game, but it's themed about like running a school of uh, warlock and wizardry. Um, that's not what this is. Not really. This has more in common with like a like an idle sim number go up game. Um, what it is, is, is like in this fantasy world, the Dark Lord rises like every 20 years and lays waste to the land. Um, and you run a series of magical schools to try and train the next generation to defeat the Dark Lord. Um, and it's another card game. Uh, how it works <laughs> is you get cards that are various rooms to plunk down in your school. Once you've plunked down a room, you can't move it. So you're trying to optimize, like, the location of your classrooms, your dormitories, your uh, refractories where they can eat and stuff, your teacher lounges, um, so that when students move through the school, they will move, like, seem every time they're in a class, they generate points for you to spend um, drawing three cards from a deck corresponding to the kind of magic they're learning. So if they're learning shadow magic, you can draw a card from the shadow magic deck, which has more shadow magic classrooms or artifacts relating to that. Um, so it's... I've put nine hours into this game. Oh, wow. And I don't really know if I like it or not, but every time <laughs> I did play it, I did get into sort of like a trance of like numbers go up, draw a new card, place new room. Um, like I, it, it's what Brogan would describe as a podcast game. I was just about to say I that. Is it a podcast game? It. Like my my podcast would end, and I would still be playing it. Like not even being like, oh, I got to click like next episode button. I was, you know, it just gets you into that sort of dopamine loop. There we go. They, this is a Skinner box podcast. Yeah, by the way. it's very. The shortcoming of the game is that it's so RNG-based. Um, every time you found a new school, you'll be given, like, three quests, and one of which will be, like, okay, what's, like, the dedication of this school? And it will give you, like, three options, like, oh, we're going to train the greatest demon slayer the world had ever been, ever seen. And if you select that, thinking, like, okay, I'm going to go all in on demon slaying lessons, but if you never draw the demon slaying classroom or even, like, upgrades to that classroom, then that mission's just a complete wash. 
And what complicates this is because of that 20-year timer, you're on a countdown. Like, you're on a timer for every school you found. Like, literally, after 20 year in-game years have passed, your school is destroyed, and you have to start fresh again. Dang. There is, like, an end to the campaign that I reached, where you're building a school on the back of a giant turtle, which is cool. Um, but that also has, like, quests to do that are RNG-based. You need to draw... Um, a particular card from each deck in order to win the campaign finally. But the issue there is if you're not drawing classrooms for each deck, then you're not generating points for each deck, which means you're not drawing those cards. Did you ever save scum? Um, no, I don't think it lets you. Oh, wow. Okay. No. So, so basically you're at the whims of the AI. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like there are, I like the look of the game. It kind of has like a diorama feel to it where all the characters look a bit like like wooden dolls. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I put nine hours into it and I can't really make a decision on whether or not to like recommend it or not. Maybe on sale. Maybe if you just need an absolute time killer game. Um, it feels like something I would run in the background. And it does have these like cute ideas like instead of like uh owls they use guinea pigs flung from a trebuchet to communicate (laughs) through the world the guinea pigs are fine they make a point of that Um, (laughs) but like i don't like you can't rehire teachers once once you've like hired them when you plonk down a classroom it will give you a choice like do you want this teacher or this teacher and if they're both bad teachers you can't like fire them and hire a new guy you're stuck with that choice so that's why i feel it's not really a management game it's sort of like an optimization of your resources game and i think if you go into it knowing that then yeah i think i would recommend it it just sounds like something that i know that would be unhealthy for me because my gameplay habits like i I've, i've tried to avoid playing things that just like soak up time and then i reflect back and go i don't really know what i did with that things um it's yeah. just yeah I, I mean i get too easily sucked into those things that like pull on the like the compulsively you're always doing something but it's never mm-hmm. like meaningful enough for you to like reach a concrete point where it stops like as weird as it sounds like the apotheosis i know you've played this game was i played a big chunk of assassin's creed odyssey and then mm-hmm. like i got to the end of a session it's like i don't know what i did like i like, yeah i just did the same repeatable things for like three hours i don't know what i accomplished i, I might as well have sure done nothing three hours i couldn't stop gone. it and I was like, I just need to never play this again. This is, was just, I wasn't even enjoying it. Like, I was just like, no, just cannot. This is bad for me in my life. So yeah, the, the way yeah. you describe this game scares me. You know what? That is a good comparison. It is like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or like any MMO where it's just like, okay, numbers so I had to go up. playing those. Yeah. Um, I, it did take me like my second school to understand that's like, that is how the game is meant to be played. Like my first school... I made the mistake of putting all my teacher facilities in the middle because I kept drawing teacher facility cards. and was like, okay, might as well put them down. But students can't go through those rooms. It doesn't really tell you that. I just kind of noticed, oh, they're never going through the teacher lounge. And I put, okay. like, one of the classrooms on the other side of that room. So the students just never go to that class. You're not really setting up curriculums or anything. You can set up houses and, like, say, okay, this house is dedicated to studying light and nature magic. And that sort of, like, scratches that itch of, like, ooh, I'm, I'm making my own, you know, problematic franchise. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, 
But the house cards are also something you have to draw, and you have to draw them from your gold deck, which is the hardest deck to draw from because you're constantly paying upkeep costs. And when and you're constantly like getting in new students, and I've really figured out whether it's good to have a lot of students or not. I just kind of hired anyone who was smart and wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like a real school. Yeah, there is like a dungeon crawl mechanic, which is the only time like your choices feel like they pay off. Um, you send four students into a dungeon to like retrieve artifacts and slay monsters, and their what lessons they've learned actually like affect their abilities the issue is is that i only did like one dungeon per school because you have to be again rng draw the dungeon quest and then whether you succeed or fail in that dungeon you can't go back so i think like the game just kind of needs a reworking to be more based around that or like i don't give a crap i I don't know any of like the students i have or any of the teachers i have i just recruit them and then watch the numbers go up it's not like yeah, an XCOM yeah. game where you're building up like any sort of story or attachment but again i put in nine hours into it <laughs> so are you gonna put nine more i feel like i'm gonna finish the campaign most likely jesus oh my gosh but this is why i could play citizen sleeper because it, it narrativizes things of being like it takes a compulsive gameplay loop that i was like playing like on loop because it was like scratching itches because it like links it to concrete things and rewards me in a way that i felt was i mean it's i guess it's what you think is meaningful was like this feels meaningful to me because it's unlocking a thing that i can that i find engaging so it's like oh mm-hmm. just again this just sounds terrifying to me <laughs> yeah Definitely, if you have like an. I think wizard schools are in general scary for me. I'm just terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wizards, was wizards, scammy. (laughs) Yeah, even in cartoon form. (laughs) Uh, Was that all you had to say about spellcaster? How much is that? Twenty-five bones. What a bones. Dang. Time for another Game Pass game. Steven, tell me about Norco. Norco, hello. Welcome to my tactic, which was finding three things that I'd heard talked about and playing them because they're on Game Pass. Um, (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I have people kept talking about Norco on the podcast I listened to about video games that are not this one. Others do exist. They're not as good, obviously. Um, And it sounded, again, like the kind of thing that I would enjoy of... um, So I own all of um oh god what's it even called i was about to say zero dark 30 (laughs) um kentucky Kentucky zero Zero. i I own all of that and i've owned it since like you could buy it and i've just never played it because i was like i'll wait till it all came out and then i forgot when it came out so um this is why that sounds like me i have that too yeah yeah i just and i just never did it but it's (laughs) the classic yeah it's not that um this i feels like was people talking about it the same way they talked about those? I think they're quite divergent as video games. Of it's the very narrative first, um, technically a like point click adventure game, but it's very much just like you just button through the text and you pick things that don't that seem to not more like build out character and your internal character and everything else. So it is set in Norco, a place, um, but it is set in like a cyberpunky future that's kind of like defined by industrial decay. Um, and it's very much about you returning back to a home that you had very much moved on from to deal with the um, death of your estranged mother. And um, you think that your sibling's going to be there, your sibling is not there, and so far I'm going to find my sibling with my robot friend. Um, and it's just very much being in these spaces interacting with people that you are at a distance from and just talking through very nicely written very kind of reflective conversations and it is very much leading you through a very logical just like you go here you go here you go here but it just it reminds me of another great thing that video games can do of it's not about 
constant choice of the time is about just like immersing you in a place and making storytelling feel like it's being told to you like it's like being it's like being told a story and it is immersive in that way i don't feel like i'm carving the story i feel like i'm writing the story i feel like i'm interacting with the story which i do really really enjoy um i think it's very maturely written it, it goes into mini games every now and then because i feel like it feels the need to be more of a game i think they're quite uniformly bad there's one was this shadow puppet thing which was so awesome and then it's just like this really terrible controlling kind of like not not asteroids what, what's that thing where you like you have to like push your rocket slightly to move and you're like constantly bouncing around like a that sounds like asteroids. yeah it, but but there's one where it's like you're in like a cavern so you can hit the cavern walls um and it's just like it's a poorly controlling Is that the version. helicopter game the greatest game of all time <laughs> no, yeah kind of it's kind of like a version of that and it's just not, not very good and it's like there to like make it more gamey and it's like i get that because you feel like we've just made a bunch of like tech scroll and people want it to be a game and someone's like maybe it would be better if it's not in places i feel the, the mini games are are weak there's one that's just like pattern matching but the things that happen out of it are fun they're like something there to facilitate it i play more of it the story seems very very interesting there was a, a bit of a spoiler there's a character swap quite early on that i think contextualized things really 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 nicely i'm quite involved in the world it feels lived in it feels well written it's got this lovely pixel art like throwback retro style that i think is very nicely done um it's very very pretty i think it's really, really good i'm really enjoying it i will play a lot more of it i've played a couple of hours maybe um, i don't think it's very long um but yeah I'm, I'm invested in the story and the characters the world feels different interesting and i like the feel of carving a path through it even if i'm fitting into a path that already exists for me yeah i, I was i was about to say I, I i hooked on to that sentiment when you were describing this whereas like i think for i don't know how long but there was an era of games and game criticism mm. where it was sort of about ludo narratives and it was about yes it was about you know showing not telling emphasizing mechanics over the things but the truth is is like games are a medium that uses every medium it can be literary yeah it can be cinematic it could be any of those so to like abandon those for the sake of pure game is i i think also abandoning what a game is you know what i mean mm. so i and and i think for the, you know there's something to be said for the relationship between the player and the story instead of necessarily being like, I need to make the story. Yes. I need to decide the decisions. Instead, it's much more of an immersive experience because that's what games allow for. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel this, there was this weird dialogue around player choice a while ago that I feel like reached its apex with like the Telltale Walking Dead game and like Mass Effect 3. This again shows that I've been like out of like the game conversation for a little bit. But again, no, I thought no, no, was... you're right. Mass Effect 3 um, is one of the greatest narratives of our time. That's not what I meant. Oh, you God, know that's not don't what get I meant. started, Stevie. <laughs> Stevie, we gotta drop it. No, but there's that sense of them like, oh, I just like, it's not choice. And there's that sense of being like, it, choice doesn't have to be pure divergence. Like, I feel like, which is why I like Norco, it's like, it, it, it that the choice matters in the moment because you are making something and it doesn't need to create a new path it just needs to immerse you in the world a bit yeah, more you need to and i like, like the games for you need to feel like you're playing your version of the character yeah even uh, if it releases disco... the same result yeah disco elysium did a really good job with yes. that where it's like a, a lot of the decisions secretly did not matter but they felt like they mattered and like the rpg system within disco mm. elysium was all about how your thought processes and your mm -hmm. decisions informed how you yeah, were able totally. to do like, those things rather than the end result yeah i love it because i feel like I'm, I'm contextualizing a narrative like it will say things like your brother and i get like a choice like 
like we never got on or like was a disappointment so it's like the actual how it progresses is the same but i feel like i've i've put my own spin on it and like it doesn't have any impact on any of the narrative but it has an impact on how i think about the characters and because yeah. well written it works that way like disco elysium like i played for it because i adored it and then i did like a cheat engine thing and be like what happens if i just max out everything and it's just chaos like it was just like not fun <laughs> rolling us like oh this is not good this game works because it limits you I mean, and it's like yeah. that's why you don't play this way yeah. <laughs> that's funny i think there was a time when like yeah like bro was saying we just got too obsessed with morality choices and mm. branching paths in games i remember um i don't know why this comment sticks in my mind but on one of the video reviews for like arkham city <laughs> there was some person who wrote this, like, screed, this, like, multi-paragraph thing about how the game should give you the choice to kill villains <laughs> as you come across them. It's like, oh, uh, there should be, there should have like branch paths. Like, you should be able to kill Ra's al Ghul and take control of the League of Assassins and see how the game plays out that way. <laughs> you want to know something really disturbing about that comment, Murph? What? You, you, you agree it. with it? They did that in Arkham Knight! Oh... Uh, yeah, no, no, you're right. That is that is a choice in the DLC. And then nothing happens of it because, number one, the primary issue is this, like, being able to... Number one, Batman shouldn't have to kill. It could be a question <laughs> the medium asks, but it should not be the primary gameplay experience yeah. of being Batman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to quote the IGN viewers, or reviewers, I want to feel like Batman, yeah. which is not necessarily a murderer. <laughs> necessarily. Um, well, in that, like, it's it's less, it's less like Batman, like, like putting the pillow over Ra's al Ghul's head. It's more just like taking him off life support and letting him yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It was more just like saying that, like, those were choices that Arkham Knight tried to present. And in like, those choices didn't matter. No. They kind of like, might've felt like they mattered to a person who cared about the game, but I didn't. And yeah. it never reflected in anything because they, they, it couldn't, you know what I mean? And I, I know it's a tired rhetoric and like, a tired conversation but let's go back to the citizen sleeper thing it reminds me of like actually and I, I feel like i'm quite different to most people and maybe not you two here in what i actually want from these choice based games of i love the feeling of because i made this decision i'm missing out on content it's why i love the persona game so much like i can't see uh... everything and i love that um i really love the idea of being like i now can't do that i like it's why witcher 2 is my favorite of the witcher games because it has that completely divergent second act being like no i'm here now and i can't be there like i made this thing i love the idea of like the game is not for you it exists in extension to you and you intersect with it it's not just like a buffet it is a thing that actually matters so when it has choice i like when choice actually means you do this which means you don't do that mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i totally agree with that well, I think I think some choices you just need to say no to. I, I should say that more. Yeah, uh, this is the third game of uh, the of my my grab bag of indie games. This is um, actually my favorite of the three. Hey, um, I like this game a heck of a lot. This is say no more. What um, is before it? Broken asks. It is fifteen dollars. <laughs> With a demo. <laughs> I try to end it with that so that it's like, okay, what you know, the viewer can internalize yes, viewer. whether or not they would be interested. Yeah. Um so But okay, fifteen dollars review it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is a, a goofy little like three hour game. Um it's not it's you know, kind of barely a game. It has one button gameplay, but the story and the writing are like, very uh, personable and clever. 
Um, this is set in a dystopia, a corporate dystopia, where the word no has been outlawed. You are an intern starting at a new company uh, <laughs> where everyone is demanding the world of you. You know, you got to get them their coffees. You got to teach them how to use, uh, you know, Gmail. And uh, you wouldn't say no to them because at this business, we're all family. And you wouldn't say no to your family and friends, <laughs> would you? Um, and you come across a cassette player where a, a motivational speaker that looks and sounds like Hulk Hogan teaches you the secret art of saying no. And you use that to dismantle the oppressive regime by the floorboard by floorboard. This sounds like McPixel. I don't know what that is. Sounds like the invention of lying. (laughs) I'd rather talk about McPixel (laughs) than the invention of lying. (laughs) Um, So so the basic gameplay is like, you're usually chasing down someone uh, and other co-workers will get in your way and demand something of you and you, you... press space bar and you say no when they go flying and say like a pithy liner uh that's always amusing uh you unlock different ways of saying no uh such as the lazy no or the cold no or the wacky no uh those don't actually like affect anything other than the way your character says no uh there this game has a ton of language options you can say no in irish oh, Gaelic. you that. can say it in icelandic arabic uh east pacific islander there's a, and then uh, and then you get towards the end of the game and find that it has um, like a real heart and message because you know you start off saying no to uh, bothersome coworkers and bad bosses, but then like mm. towards the end it's like say no to your best friend and roommate who for the ninth month in a row can't pay rent because he doesn't have a job, and and Take it has roommate. like a real good. It has a real good message of like, you know, it's saying no more doesn't mean always saying no. It doesn't mean always saying yes, but uh, never saying yes. But it means recognizing that you have the ability to say no and to, you know, take control of your own life and stand up for yourself. And I think that's a real good message in today's climate. It's very interesting. Empowering. Yeah, Empowering. I would. I would recommend everyone. Everyone, go play this. Go buy this because I Sounds think really the cool. devs like have a lot that. of heart. I will say yes to say no more. I'll say perhaps. I'm a good host, everybody. Peru, <laughs> the host with the most. Uh, all right, we gotta go into Yakuza Minute, Murph. Yakuza Minute. All right, so are so um, smooth. It's just incredible. I'm gonna time you on this one. I I have been Yakuza two. I like Yakuza 2 a heck of a lot more than Yakuza 1. Yakuza 2 delivers on everything I wanted 1 to be. It has a more fluid combat. It has a more focused story. Um, And it has a lot of great uh, characters in it. In fact, I think that these are some of my favorite... uh, Like I, I said last time that I was really looking forward to seeing how these characters progress. And this does that in spades. Like, every minor character from the first game comes back in this, and they're, like, a little further along their story. Even, like, side bosses from the first game um, are now working for new guys, and you have, like, a sort of rapport that you've built up for, with between them and Kiryu. Um, is is Majima that... in this one? Majima? Yeah, he's in yeah. this one. Oh, I love him. He has, a, he has a great moment where he takes on, like, 30 guys at once. Cool. What a guy. What are you one guy. of those Yakuza fans that's, like, ape for majima um i'm i am a yakuza fan i've not played as many of them as, as i could have done i've i've played a lot of zero and i've like played sporadic bits of some of the other ones um but zero is one of those sunk a lot of time into um so that is my my only grounding for the franchise really 
yeah, this one, um, this one just has a great, intriguing story. The issue with Yakuza 1 is that it was like a conspiracy story where they gave you all the answers at the end. So it didn't really feel like you were uncovering anything. It was just like you were killing time until you could arrange a meeting with the guy who will give you answers. And this, um, you're actually uncovering things as you go along. There's a lot of, like, twists and turns. I think that it does face a similar issue from the first game where there is blatant padding. The penultimate chapter is literally kill three hours around town until it's time to go fight the boss. Um, which was incredibly aggravating. I turned on a speed mod on my emulator and just killed those three hours and 30 minutes. Nice. Uh, yeah, like but I think three um, the highest praise I can give for this is that once I finished it, I immediately wanted to start playing the remake and see how they like mm. refined and improved a lot of these cutscenes. Cough, okay. cough. There you go. How long was that? <laughs> it was over a minute. Damn it. Thank God. Well, Yakuza minutes okay, actually no, different no, no, to hey, a minute. Hey, you could have, Murph. I'm gonna be honest with you. You could have spent two minutes on it. Okay, okay. Yakuza two. Just, Yakuza can two increase minutes. Increase the number of minutes per the number of the game. I think so. Say no more. That's gonna get real tricky when it gets to Yakuza zero. I was about to say that. Yes. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, let's go into. Actually, what what are you hoping for for Yakuza three? I don't hmm. know because this one ends even more definitively than the first one. Because uh, it's like the second... Yakuza 1 ends with Kiryu like, retiring, like, I'm out of the game. This ends with him also saying, I'm retiring, I'm out of the game. They pull you back in! I don't know how many times I can see him get pulled back in. Um, but looking at Yakuza 3, um, I haven't started it yet. But it seems to be taking place in a tropical island setting, so it's like the Mario Ooh. Sunshine of the franchise, which I'm very awesome. much about. If it's just like Kiryu having wacky island antics, I'll I'll be all for that. So wait, so you like uh, Mario Sunshine? I, I like Mario Sunshine. A that lot. makes sense. That's going to make the conversation about one of the monsters make a lot more sense. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm interested to see. Mm, that's a, okay. that's your Shekhov's gun. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I have no dogs in that race, everybody. I'm, let's go ahead and go into Kaiju Cave. All right, let's, uh, yeah, yeah, our, our our variety minute of the week is Kaiju Games. Wait. Bro, what's a kaiju? You're the one on the Do podcast. Do I have to define the kaiju? <laughs> why I you, don't have a kaiju you... podcast, Stephen. <laughs> Hello, I'm here because I have a don't know, kaiju podcast. Uh... Yeah. So a, a kaiju is, I mean, kaiju is just like Japanese for, for, for monster, really. Um, giant monsters specifically. Um, so, I mean, your kaiju prototypical one is obviously Godzilla or Gojira. Both are actually correct. People that tell you that one is better than the other is wrong. It's different transliterations of the Japanese. So, ha, tell them they're wrong. Um, so a giant monster that is the focus of the thing um, exists to be big and to stamp on things. And the joy of it is really the aesthetics of destruction or using a big monster to tell an interesting story story about consequence and damage or just watching wrestling basically that's better because it's bigger kaiju are good okay 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 
So, so I have a question. Does yes. the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man in Ghostbusters, the yes. video game, count? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Definitively. There we go. All right. That, I'm, I'm writing this the down. exhaustive list done. Moving on. All right. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I have a question. For me, the prototypical ultimate kaiju video game is bad. And it's Rampage. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In, in, in video games, yeah. When, when I meant Godzilla, I obviously meant f- for movies. Um, no, no, no. I agree. I agree. No, your definition was fine. I'm I'm bringing it into video games now. Yes. Rampage is... For me, the value and fun you get out of Rampage is about the value and fun <laughs> you could have had in an arcade putting a quarter in. It's about 25 to 50 cents worth of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's very, very fair. <laughs> Not a game that is hold up. I, I'd never played Rampage, but I did watch the demo reel at the Bowling Alley Arcade. It's the same experience. Tying that back into the Dino Crisis episode, it all it all informs each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah. poetry. They rhyme. No, <laughs> yeah. Go, go so, away. Okay, so let's start with the big man himself. Like, are there any good Godzilla games? I'd say so, sure. Tell me about them. Maybe. Such as... Oh, maybe maybe I don't know. I played them when I was like nine, guys. So I played Destroy All Monsters Melee on the GameCube. And yes. I liked that one uh, because Angirius had a secret buff. And Angirius is my, my oh. favorite monster. Angirius, when he was on That's all fours, was immune surprising. to uh, ranged attacks. Because of his spiky shell. That, that That's true in the movies as well. If you notice that every time he's on all fours, he never gets range attacked. <laughs> No, he just gets his jaw snapped in half by Mechagodzilla. Yeah, he does. Um, Angiris. I played Angiris Godzilla Unleashed the on the Wii, and I don't know oh, if yeah. that's a good game, but boy howdy, it had a lot of monsters. You could play as Titanosaurus in that game. And oh, I wow. don't think even I don't I don't think even the makers remember Titanosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> let let me ask, going into these general things, and this is gonna inform War of the Monsters as well, our game of the week. Mm. Um what what level of th- what level of these games comes from a catharsis of destruction area destruction as Steven so put it or does it come from the wrestling and does it come from the roster I think for me it comes from the roster um, I am a person I'm no good at fighting games but I like setting up scenarios uh, so the bigger the roster I don't even care if there are reskins. Um, just give me, like, toys to mash against. Um, I think the destruction is a good factor, as um, I'll talk about in the War of the Monsters. But mm-hmm. I can't remember any of the Godzilla games I've played having good destruction. At least in Rampage, there was they incentivized, like, tearing down skyscrapers and stuff. R- Rampage is probably the best at destruction, because it was a primary focus. Yeah, but those but are also, also is, smaller yeah. monsters. So yes. I think there is a level of bigness where a monster is no longer fun to play. Like, you want that playground feel, I think. Yeah. I want Renegade Ops, but I'm Godzilla. Do, do, do you have fun in, like, uh, whoa, what are the games? Oh, no. Hulk Ultimate Destruction, oh. which is not a kaiju, I know, yeah, everybody. But, but. That or, what's the other one? Prototype? Yeah, I like I I would I would like that like something like Red Faction Gorilla where you like you can like properly smash things up like that as like a proper Godzilla game like that they'll never make it because you can just make a cheaper Godzilla game and it'll sell. Um, yeah, but 
that would be it's also like it, i guess you get into like some of the superman problem of like how do you make it fun without just making it frustrating of when you are big destructive force you're just going to end up just fighting yourself yeah. repeatedly and just like making it just just annoying of just being like badgered and peppered at things it's a hard thing to play it's a fun thing to watch mm-hmm. yeah i think that do you think a kaiju game needs to be a fighting game or is that just the easiest no. route for devs to it's take? It's the easiest, certainly. It's, yeah, it's easiest, not not the most important. Like, I was interested in that Gamera title, which is like a fucking Star Fox game or whatever. Oh, it was like cool. a like light gun, or not light gun, uh, like, like a, a dog-fighting Star Fox thing. Uh, yeah. uh, Panzer Dragoon. Or Panzer Dragoon, yeah. There we go. I was thinking, like, what if you made an open-world kaiju game that was literally, like, open-world? Like like American Truck Sim, you can walk from one side of the country to the other. Godzilla Sim. Yeah. Being a monkey, as we're going to talk about War of the Monsters, would be very difficult. Like mm. everything? Like everything. Do you remember everything? Was that what that game was called? Oh, yeah, Where yeah, you could yeah. Be everything. Game, everything. Yeah, I know what you're just talking about. Just like that. About. Just like you just like chill and vibe and you just like just be Godzilla and walk around. <laughs> just, yeah. Like you know, Nobby you, like, Nobby Boy, but Godzilla. Take a bath in a, in a volcano crater or something. I mean, is Katamari a kaiju game? I mean, no. So but... now we're getting into the now we're getting into the metaphysical questions of the variety minute. Mm. So, does a kaiju game need to be your playing as a kaiju? Is Shadow of the Colossus a kaiju Ooh. game? Yeah. Oh, then it's the best one. That's interesting. Oh god. Then then most yeah, games probably. are kaiju games. That's like all of them. That's every game. Well, like it was like God of War with the Colossus of Rhodes for me, yeah. or like when you get to three and you start fighting the Titans. Yeah, they're so big they they have to count. I, yeah, I was thinking it, like it's one game. of the big selling points of God of War three was that Kronos fight, where it's like, oh, mm. his fingernail is the size of a house, and that, that feeling of just like fighting something that's massive. I haven't played this game, but um, the fucking Dragon's Dogma. Oh, that game's good. Oh, yeah. But that's all about fighting giant monsters, right? And crawling yeah. around on them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, like, do we count Monster Hunter with, oh, with like, it's oh, we're dragons? Just games like, like we like get now. to this point. I think, it, I think it comes down to your question of, like, what qualifies as a kaiju? Like, what's the bigness threshold? I think Monster Hunter definitely counts. Like, because you, you were literally out. The whole appeal is that these are things that are way bigger than you and you are small down there and trying to fell them. So, like, yeah. Yeah, man. Like some yeah, of but are like just if I did enormous. like like Cabela's big African safari and I'm elephants, <laughs> is that a kaiju? Oh my god! Imagine if they just put out a level where you just fight Godzilla, <laughs> just shooting giraffes just in the neck, sniping. and it has like, like a giraffe, sniper giraffe, vision. Giraffe, King Ghidorah, giraffe, giraffe, giraffe. Yeah, I would never shoot a giraffe. I think that's where you get into the question because I I do think. Like some, I do think some Pokemon qualify, like like Rayquaza or Waylord, are huge and they can wreck a city, as shown in like the anime and movies. Hmm. But I wouldn't next. Not all Pokemon are kaiju, though. Like many words, it's a slippery definition that goes back to you know it when you see it. You know, you just know, you just know. Mm-hmm. No, no, we don't. You know. we, I don't know when I you see, know it. When you see it. Apparently, like, you do. That's a kaiju. Well, you he ranks know. monsters. Yeah, I rank them. That's fair. Yeah. You haven't ranked them in a while. Hey, 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 you. Yeah. That's because we've got to have a point. It's you keep, keep making me play video games. <laughs> See, it's like, it's like I said, this is the only podcast where PvP is enabled. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, uh, P- 
Peter Jackson's King Kong. All right, all right. I wanted to say my kaiju take. King Kong's my favorite kaiju. That's my take. Okay. I love monkeys. Okay, it's, okay. I, when I get asked about who do you prefer, Godzilla or King Kong, it's like, I don't know, do I prefer the one that's a meditation on nuclear guilt or do I prefer racism? I guess I prefer the meditation on nuclear guilt. <laughs> I prefer I, Godzilla. King Kong, <laughs> King Kong just speaks to me. Godzilla has the rogues gallery. King, <laughs> you know, racism is hot right King now. King Kong, this is going to go into... Okay, <laughs> we're going to go pretentious. I'm going to say a story to defend how I feel about King Kong. Oh, God. This is going to be really weird, but I'll do it. This is this is the this time is be some mighty to, Joe to Young defend shit. my boy. This is, this is, when, I, when, I was, when I was young and stupid, I wanted to make a, an epic poem about King Kong versus Godzilla. Because to me, that was like one of the ultimate, most epic conflicts in in mm-hmm. modern times mm-hmm. man versus man man versus nature man versus self godzilla versus kong I, I i associated king kong with man and the hubris of man standing on top of the empire state holding these things and fighting back against everything pushing against him and godzilla being the force of nature coming towards him what is a king kong to a godzilla yes what is a king to a god and what is what is like the king who can stand at the top versus a hurricane? You know what I mean? So I would write Godzilla in haiku if I would. So like okay. I think Godzilla is clearly more powerful and evocative of much more social commentary and all this mm. stuff. But I relate to King Kong more. Mm. Does this make sense? It does. Okay. I'm being mean. Obviously, like the, the genesis of King Kong is like initially racism, but I'm 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 jesting. I, know I don't that, think that there is, is a King Kong game on you. the genesis. Um, Oh, so what's sorry? What I I, I I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what about? I, I, did you guys ever read the uh, Godzilla NES creepy pasta? <laughs> no. Oh. You didn't let me have my Mega Drive joke, damn you, man. <laughs> no, no, it's like this whole narrative about playing the Godzilla NES game, but it's haunted by a demon that killed the narrator's uh like middle school girlfriend. <laughs> Okay. Murph got into creepy pastas, and I don't think he ever recovered. Yeah. I like um, I like I like little I like little fucked up creatures. I don't know what to say. I like little I like little gremlins. Is the hog monster a kaiju? Uh, there are there were there were giant uh giant hug monsters. I made a hugzilla. Oh no 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 no! I actually recreated no. all the Godzilla monsters in the Spore Creature Creator. Oh God! Please let me leave. <laughs> Steven, there's no escape. There's no it's escape. true. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's one, there's one there's one more I want to talk about okay. in the writing minute that we can be off it. Okay. This has been the longest minute of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Earth Defense Force. I was just about to bring that up. I was literally like, what about yeah. EDF? Yeah. That is that has to count, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that definitely counts. And it's got literally... that Japanese energy. It's got the, the like this feels like Japanese as hell, which is like key to the kaiju for me. Your your soldiers sing little songs about killing the bugs. It's, like and it's literally troopers. like fighting giant bugs, but you're on ground level. I would qualify that more as a kaiju game than Monster Hunter. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, see, yeah. to me, well, well, technically yes, but I also like see, I see a lot of Monster Hunter in it, just as yeah. like with a Starship Troopers thing slapped onto it, which is, I guess, Starship Troopers is a little kaiju esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in, in the vein of the little, little baby kaiju. I think it depends on how how small the thing is compared to how giant it is, because like an ant, mm, it's ant's pretty small, but if you had an ant. That was like as tall as a man. I'd be like, "That's a kaiju." Wait, 
Is a Tyrannosaurus Rex a kaiju? Um, well, there are some Godzilla films that say yes. How how much bigger is it than its normal like Tyrannosaurus? <laughs> I, and, I like, broke his does brain. Does Jurassic Park count? I no 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 not even so. Jurassic we, Park two Lost World where it's in this, San Diego. This goes back to the conversation of being like if it's just animals. We've Karen and I've said this like if it's just an animal. I think an, kaiju are not animals. They're distinct like fictional category of creatures and when it's just like this is See, just a real but then thing. king of the monsters does just big animals yeah i know like yeah, it's yeah, just hey, like hey, a mantis hey, 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 it's hey. a mantis you don't need to give me a reason to insult this game the operative word there is big and also that there's only like one camacurus <laughs> yeah all right okay when one when one big mantis and another big mantis love each other very much they can make other big mantises yeah, well, you lose one big mantis in the process. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's fair. Well, what a fun minute. I enjoyed every minute of it. Every minute of the minute. <laughs> that's how That's how Minya learned about the birds and the bees. <laughs> uh, this is, is this the biggest derailing since the last episode where you talked about trains? I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I like trains. <laughs> I like trains. Okay, do you, right, you want to talk about trains real quick? Yeah, happily. Have you seen the movie you, Train Quest? It rules. You were just on a train. I was just on a train. Yeah, yeah. I wish America had a good rail system. All right. Okay. War of the Monsters is our game of the week this week. War It is a 3D fighting game for the PlayStation 2, released in 2003, developed by Incognito Entertainment and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. Incognito Entertainment was responsible for a certain portion of the Twisted Metal games responsible such as Twisted Metal word for that responsible. Yeah, and there's even a sweet tooth skin for Agamo in this game. So, yeah, I didn't use it, but it's pronounced Agamo. Who? The answer who cares is Murph. You know who cares? It's Murph. He's right here. You're killing me, man. It's actually pronounced Agamo. Oh my god, I'm Agamoing through this conversation. Alright, okay. The storyline is simple. In a very B-movie way, aliens attack Earth. Mm -hmm. Humans, with our ingenuity, start winning. And we zap some of the saucers out of the sky. But the alien ooze seems to turn things into or empower giant mutant kaiju. Yes. Um, Pretty much all of the kaiju in this game are homages, pastiches, rip-offs of... Just different bits of iconography. 
whatever you want to call them. You know, we got Godzilla's giant lizards. We got giant monkeys. We got giant Japanese mix. We got flying dragons. We got some more standard American B movie influences, such as the giant mantis, but they all duke it out in different locations with uh, the campaign having unique boss encounters yeah. utilizing some of the stages. Uh, gameplay is a wide arena uh, with different areas like cities or deserts, destructible environments with different pickups. Uh, there's standard combos, a stamina system with a sort of super system tacked onto it. Yeah, it's a soul You can life. grab opponent. Yes. You can, <laughs> you can grab opponents or items within the environment to use as weapons or deal damage. I think that covers it. Gentlemen, what did we think of this game? I hate this game. Oh no. I this This game's not that good, Murph. Oh no. <laughs> I, 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 I oh, hate no. this game. I had so non fun playing it. Oh my god. I will defend okay. I'll go in soft. We're gonna go good cop, bad cop here. Okay. The game got better as I came to terms with yes, it. Yes, okay. okay. I, I agree. Okay. It's it started rough. I think a big portion of it comes from number one, the camera and control. Oh my! This is this is my Super Mario Sunshine point. If, I guess if you like games that have awful cameras, then yeah, like this is <laughs> this is before camera control was a thing still, and just like I just hated I hated controlling this game all the time through playing it. Um, so just I found it so frustrating, so frustrating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, another thing I didn't like was um. Basically, I think the primary concern when I was playing the campaign was the AI was really frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, you had to be really aggressive with one specific AI and get it down as soon as possible. Yep. Because if it was able to disengage from the encounter, it would just... It would go for the first health pickup it sees. And if you don't play this game like Murph does, you don't know necessarily where all of them are because there's quite a lot of them. So there is a good chance he could get one. So then you you drag the fight out for much, much yes. longer. And, uh, uh, especially if your character does not have good mobility or every character thankfully think, has like a range. That's all they I did. Vary the only in terms thing I did in this like, game is I just walked around as fake Godzilla and I just shot people from afar, which was the least Godzilla feeling thing ever of just like, I just run around away from things, just spamming this one attack thing because I hated the up close combat because I was just like, well, you just... I don't like the feel of blocking and then punching. I don't like the combos. I don't like the actual engagements. Occasionally I just grab things. I pick up things by accident. I can't really climb on things very, very well. I'm really, I'm bad at it. The problem is I'm not very good at the game, but I also like... No, no, I'm... I will say in defense of this, this game got better when I broke the mind of like block combo. Because that's not, that is not what you do. There are good combos in this game. But that being said, a lot, a primary part of the game is picking things up, yeah. throwing them, utilizing the environment or otherwise utilizing separate things like the super or whatever. Yeah. There's there's other ways to get the thing done. Um, but yeah, uh, the shield, the blocking sucked. Oh. Do not block. Mm -hmm. That was bad. Well, block sometimes, but not all the time. No. You block the final boss. <laughs> uh, I'll save some of the more criticisms until I hear Murph praise the game. I, yeah, uh, I don't know if I have praise per se, but this is a very <laughs> nostalgic game to me. This is one of the games that me and my sister would bond over. We'd kill many afternoons uh, doing like team fights. This game doesn't really have team fights, but we, we pretended it did. Um, mm. It's to me. I like that the monsters fight for survival. I like that they seek out health pickups because you need to like take it, that into account um, and sort of gobble up all the health before them. 
Um, I like the destruction in this game. I like that when you smack a monster and it crashes into a building, like the screen shakes, the building crumbles, bits of it fall yeah. off that you can then pick up and smack monsters with. Um, it's wrong. definitely more a game about using the environment than just upfront combos. Because um, there are a lot of little like hidden goodies, like picking up a gas truck, that's basically a grenade. Or... Uh, girders serve as like blunt weaponry or if you're playing on the Las Vegas stage you can pick up the uh, sword from the not Excelsior and use that as a weapon I mean um, you're right it's just like and again this also comes back to the like I'm bad at the game but just like just the act of controlling interacting with it was just so frustrating to me of being well, like, I, I recognize your flaws and I forgive you thank you thank you but, but there's also like okay so let's say the AI because the AI I'm not actually going to complain a lot because th there is a point of like overcoming things, figuring out where the pickups are. I think that is a perfectly natural part of a game. Yeah. But that being said, it's also like, it's gravely different when it's like, all right, I start the game. Oh, there's, there's two monsters here. They have normal things. They both engage me. They don't engage each other. Mm -hmm. It's just two yeah. on me. It's two on one. And then one of them picks up a, uh, like a little tower thing. Yeah. Chucks it at me. I get stabbed. I am now stunned. I have to get yep. out of my stun while I'm getting hit by two characters. My health drains. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I totally get that. It's hard for me to divorce myself from like the hours and hours I've played of this like i can't not forget where the hundred plus health pickup is on like rosedale canyon or that sort of thing sure um no, and i mean but i think it's I, I like bits of the game yeah like using like the impales and stuff like that's all stuff that you have access to you know yeah like if you were i didn't get to start <laughs> sure if yeah. you were in a circumstance where you had low health you would go search for health pickups and stuff like, I like how clever the AI is in this. Um, I think it. you're right, it does get difficult, like, in the campaign missions where it has you fight two at once, but I think some of these maps are wide enough that you're able to, like, break line of sight. You've got to Ornstein and Smow it, my good Just, man. But then they break line of sight and get the yeah. thing before I do. <laughs> I well, like they're not bound break by my horrible listen, controls. I played Kongar. I, when I played Kongar, I had to be on top of one, kill him. That was the only way I could do it. Because yeah. otherwise they would fly because they could just fucking fly. I, 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 can't, I, I, I feel I like you're speaking specifically shit. about the uh, the dragon fight. Yeah, well, just th there's other oh. ones that fly. Like the mantis flew. There's a lot of flying Robots. in the game there's only, that I cannot do. There's only two that can fly, but Kongar can climb really fast. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure the AI was able to... The AI was able to hover in the air longer than... A player could using the same character. Mm. Uh, that I can I, I I don't have access to the the source code, so I can't. I, say I, I, I do, and he's right. I do, and he's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Steven hacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steven uses cheat engine. Yeah, incognito. Give him all you know. attributes yeah, at yeah. once. To praise the game, I'll, I'll praise the game. I'll, I'll I'll temper this now. I like the art style. Yeah. I like the direction. I I like all of that. I think that's all really cool. I think the. The unlocks are awesome. Yeah. I think the skins look great. The more you get, the better they get. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, this has some and, great uh, costumes. Like some that utterly change how the characters like look. Like the cybernetic Kongar, where it's a cyborg King Kong. That's cool. From the movies. Yeah. Mm. Yep, 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 yep. And they, they, they all have inspirations and it's all really, really cool. Um, I will say like also 
I, at first, I didn't like them. I like the campaign bosses after I came to terms with they, they, the different phases had different puzzles yeah. to solve. I think I was having trouble coming to terms with no matter how different it got, I was still in the same game. I was still in War of the Monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though the game wanted me to do other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the roster of this game. In fact, it's one of those rosters where I can't really think of what I would add to it. Like, like Steven, you're the, the de facto kaiju expert. That's why we Hello. brought you on. Do you feel that there's, like, a monster type that's missing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, di- I didn't see who the two, like, unlockable ones were, but I like that I've got, I've got my, I've got my fake Godzilla. I've got that cool energy thing, which just looks cool as Kinetoclops, hell. Kinetoclops, um, that's my favorite. Yeah, um, you've got the, the robot thing. You've got, I mean, the, the like, the crazy, like, Ava kind of like mech thing awesome it it, it takes what you want without becoming just like an overwhelming roster because like yes you could just keep adding but ultimately you've you've got the archetypes you want that tick off the specific genres of just like b-movie monster movie kaiju movie and it's strong they all look very very nice you know exactly what it is but then it also feels like it's actually a distinct thing it doesn't feel like oh this is not your daddy's Godzilla this is like no this is the character from the game but it's Godzilla-esque so yeah the roster's very good yeah I I like the design of their fake Godzilla Mm. I think that's he stands very upright, and mm. I like his extending spikes. Mm, I like that too. I think every monster has good flavor when you beat the campaign. You get like their origin story, which are you know they're all very goofy in different ways. But uh, Kongar had the best origin, y'all. He did. He he crashed. He was a space monkey that crashed into a UFO. <laughs> um, Beautiful. How do you feel about the size of the stages? Because some this is a game where it has like some great big stages and then very small stages and i don't like playing on the small stages let me ask you murph uh-huh. I, i'm gonna ask this how do you play how do you fight how do i <laughs> how do i i play and fight um yes i go around to where various uh pickups are like i'll usually single out uh a spear. who's your main oh my main is kineticlops or robo 47 Okay, continue. So I'll, I'll seek out, like, a radio tower, and I will uh, lock on, and I Ugh. will throw my thing, and I'll impale them, and I'll go up and do a little heavy combo and knock them into a building. That'll usually take off about half health. At that point, I unleash the super. That'll take off another fourth. And then you just kind of wail on them a bit more. I usually... I don't really do the free-for-all. I do the endurance fight, where it just keeps spawning in new monsters, and you have to take into account the uh, city crumbling around you as you fight. As you like, mm. gradually run out of pickups and uh, tools to use. That to me is like sure, so... very satisfying. It's like, oh, I can't use I can't use the uh, electrical box too soon. I've got to save that for a more desperate situation. That's fair, and I and I like utilizing the environment. But do you do you still carry those feelings over into the campaign? Uh, yeah, yeah, because the campaign um just kind of goes through all the maps, and there are are, are, are secrets like. On Sunopolis, the the Japanese map, if you throw something at that UFO, it floods the stage. Or on the uh, Three Mile Island map, you can uh, destroy the reactors to get a infinite super. So can I describe how I played the game? How, you, well, you strafed around and shot things as not Godzilla. Well, no, 
Yeah, so like it's that. So this is this is my description of like because the way that you did that sounds great. But I was just like, okay, over here. Oh god, I can't see the thing. Where's the thing gone? All right, target it. Where's it gone? All right, can I jump up here and I miss the thing? Am I jumping? Am I jumping and climbing? Am I climbing? Am I jumping? Oh my god, where am I going? And now I'm turning around. Am I turning around? But am I being locked? Am I knocked over now? Am I stunned now? Oh god, what's going on? Am I attacking? Am I blocking? Oh Jesus Christ, where is the thing gone? Where is it gone? Oh, it's over there. Now. Okay. Oh, is that got health back now again? Just got climb up here. Oh, I didn't climb up there. Can I land on the thing? Oh, this jumping sucks. Oh, this climbing sucks. Oh, I've gone over here. Where's the camera gone again? Am I locked on? Am I not locked on? Oh Jesus, am I shooting or am I punching? God damn it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you know about the lock-on feature? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Because that tells you where the thing is. Yeah, but, like, I also, like, I want to have camera control. I want to, to like, look, look around and, like, move around. And then yeah. I have to, like, jostle and climb. Just, like, I, I love conceptually I like this game and I like what you can do with it. I just found the, the act of doing the things just so No, I don't think the game has aged well. And like I said, I can't divorce myself from, like, knowing how to play. Like, I can stay yeah. locked onto an enemy monster and maneuver around the map just fine, because I know the layout of the map is, yeah. like, the back of my hand. Um, it's one of those games that I would love to see a, like, a remaster or a spiritual successor to. I agree. You know, because I don't think we have a monster game that's exactly like this. Like, there are those Godzilla games, but like we talked about in the Kaiju uh retrospective it's those are more based on like talk about king of the monsters continue those are more based on like <laughs> wrestling and stuff mm. not really yeah, like yeah that's fair. brawling and sending that's fair. i just remembered it because it was on my list and then we just mentioned this i was like Asha, i should mention this mm -hmm. continue <laughs> uh no that was the end of thought i just like how mobile and like yeah. large these maps are there was a something at e3 last year called like super smackdown or something like that which looked a bit like War of the Monsters, but it had a more isometric view and it was more like a Power Stone clone. Yeah, that, that does sound interesting. And I think using Power Stone would make it encourage you to utilize the arena more. You asked a question earlier that I didn't answer. I like short, the smaller maps. I liked the in, in personal combat. I enjoyed it. Okay. That, was, that was the time where I felt like I was capable. Mm -hmm. If if the if the monster got away from me, I felt oh, yeah. not capable. On one okay, map, I just okay. got stuck in a volcano for a while and couldn't get out of it. <laughs> like, and then I died oh. and thankfully respawned out of it. Okay, okay. On that volcano map, if you uh, dive bomb one of the pillars, it, the volcano erupts. It I'm doesn't sure it really does. do anything, but <laughs> it erupts. Cool. Th that was a good point by Murph. So, Steve, what do you say? I think you're right. I mean, I was stuck in its crater, so that like I just felt like. Again, again, I do realize, like, I'm I'm just, in, in general, I'm not very good at video games, and I don't play them much as I, I used to, so I've lost some of it as well. But it just felt like, like, because it goes back to, like, the things do what I do, but they're better at doing those things. They don't seem uh, constrained by my controls, and there are more of them. <laughs> I see, I see. So you don't like playing Bloodborne. You don't like fighting enemy hunters. Oh, no, I love Bloodborne. Those are my favorite games. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking more about the hunters that have like infinite bone ash blunderbuss. But well, I like that. So I love the feel of playing that game. So I feel like in control of it, and I'm like, ah, okay. that, yeah, the, I, I best did. If I'd have done that, this I'm just like, okay, well, I just, I just, I can't interact with this. There's just not really any game on the market like it to me. So like the yeah. moment it became available on the PlayStation Store, I bought it because there's not really these arena type brawlers. I guess for like anime games there are, but those games generally yeah. suck. Like a Budokai uh, thing, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And don't have, yeah. like, the environmental destruction. Um, Like, w long ago, when Bro and I did, like, a Smash tier list, I was mm. saying I'd want to Smash, like, 6? Yes, Smash 6. 
to like yeah. completely reinvent and be like a 3D brawler. I was thinking of this game when I said that. Awesome. Yeah. Like thinking I about the mobility of each character, how they would maneuver around a map. Uh, that's something that I think fighting games are sorely lacking, a feeling of mobility. Because they're all based on like that, you know, that 2D fighting engine. Even like Tekken is very like, you've got to finesse it's still the a plane. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I know that you're not Murph, bro. Are you a fighting game person at all? I, I am a fighting game Oh, nice. Person. Yeah, because same. Like, I'm... There, there is definitely movement options within 2D. And that's one of the primary like differences in like in how the characters engage. Now, like in terms of arenas, yeah, you can't interact with arenas very much, but that's also because of balance because this game's not balanced. No. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't, I don't play fighting games for the balance. I play it for smashing action games <laughs> into each other, which this team satisfies. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Th I, I mean, that's fair to, to an extent, but then it's also like the game. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> Mm -hmm. like smash okay smash gives you the options and i don't mind when smash has interactable environments or the things but also those times are often random imagine if if smash had determined points where you could just go to the area half those stages are banned yeah all those stages are banned yeah. i think i would enjoy this game genuinely if i just had a friend round and we could both like bash at each other that would be enjoyable because i do uh, I, the map's fine the monsters look cool genuinely it's just the the fighting against the ai is so not fun to me but if we're both just struggling with the controls not being good it's not about like a like you know you you play a street fighter against someone and yeah either they're, they're good a, or they're not good this, this was just a two prime just like, sleepover game yeah that sounds great i'd really enjoy that because it's just like fun jumping pass control around it's not about being good it's just about just struggling through together and like the aesthetics work to play it as a single player experience is just arduous Mm-hmm. So you're sitting alone, just don't only the screen illuminating your face. Yeah, and your partner's like, "Why are you so annoyed?" I'm like, <laughs> "No, no, I, I... Stephen, you've discovered what it's like to be a Daydreamcast host now. <laughs> yeah, you've got the credentials to replace me. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are are we are we transitioning off? Do we have final thoughts? I don't hate this game. I, I was very down on this game. I don't hate this. I game. don't actually hate I it. Hate I was being it. mean. Like it it, yeah. it it's cool. It's just of its time. It's just not of an era. Like I love games before this. Um, this just this like this little era of like still earlyish three D stuff is just like so not for me. I like if I played at the time, it probably would be because I'd be used to it. But now knowing that games can control better, like the moment you move yeah. that right analog stick and it doesn't do what you want it, so you're like, oh, it's one of the oh god damn it. That that actually did shock me coming back to it. Um because mm. I do play this game like maybe like once every two years or so just to get that nostalgia boost. But oh, no, do that. Now, do that now. Um I was like, oh this has this has Resident Evil controls. <laughs> yes i was surprised when i was playing this i was like murph seems so uh, like anti-resident evil controls but, but i never i never had to this? think you should have pitched it to me as these have four of the monsters controls <laughs> <laughs> how the fuck would i even, you know <laughs> oh whatever all right let's let, let's plug let's plug some fellas mm. steven plug you're on you're on like five of the podcasts on this website yeah, I've spread myself um, across them. <laughs> Pretty much just spread of don't many lessons. Don't be afraid to spread but... yourself. That... Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. 
All right. So what? So we brought you on for your kaiju expertise. How how would yeah. we have known that you ha- you are a kaiju expert? So Calvin and I, um, when we get the chance to, because um, we get pulled in other podcast directions, and in the other podcasts we do require us to be up to date with things that are like time critical um, we have our Ranking the Monsters podcast which is always a blast um, we need to get both of you on at some point to talk about because you have particular areas that you would talk about brilliantly um, but yeah we, we we are working through primarily Godzilla and Gamera films and then just like wider kaiju movies talking about them I give a little essay at the beginning because I'm pretentious um, then we chat about it for a bit and then we put them on a ridiculous ranking list that is now just exists to be just stupid and we have a fun time um, I think it's a good podcast because Calvin is great Okay, okay. What if I wasn't too into kaiju movies, but mm-hmm. I was instead into micro-budget movies uh, oh. filmed in the New England area <laughs> by oh uh, dudes who like to walk recreationally? That's so That's so fortunate. We have a podcast just about that. Um, Don't Let the Moten Cast Get You, which you are a fan of these movies. Um, you've seen quite a few of them now. Um, yeah. yeah, we we as kind of like a site, because of Matt, who's on the podcast, and Jack on the podcast, friends of the site, podcast members, um, discovered the Moten movies, which just, again, are exactly as Murph perfectly described. We're going through them. Most, I mean, new episode coming up soon, or as maybe up, by the time this is up, where we have a great conversation with the director of most of those films, Charlie Roxburgh, who was just an absolute delight. It was just, it was generally like a privilege to get to speak to him, and he was just wonderful, so generous of his time. We spoke to Matt Farley the episode before, and they've just got a new movie out, so start with that. I saw it this weekend, uh, Magic Spot, one of my favourite movies of the year. Um, I, I had a, a crazy movie weekend where I saw one movie and was like, oh, it's the best movie of the year. Then I saw that movie and was like, oh, that's the best movie of the year. And then I saw a movie today that I liked more than... So yeah, movies are good, people. Forget video games, movies, okay. what's that? Okay. Now, what if I'm not I into won't. those kind of movies? <laughs> what if I'm not into those kind of movies and I'm more on uh, stuff that's playing in theaters right now, but oh, I'm not right too interested now. in in seeing the plots play out for myself with all the surprise, <laughs> I'm very interested in things being spoiled to me. You're thinking of spoiling things? Well, we have a podcast called that, I think it's Spoiling Things, named by Calvin, again, friend of everyone, um, okay. where uh, my friend Vaughn and I talk at length about... It used to be like a friend of mine that I saw today and watched everything I've read all at once with. She was telling me that she'd, she'd listened to a few and really enjoyed them, and she said they were great because they're the perfect length, and I'm like, oh god, the last two are like two and a bit hours. Yeah. <laughs> because now we've, now we've started taking emails and we just go through emails, which we've been really enjoying. But yeah, we, we break down recent releases in spoiler for detail, um, and then we respond to listener mail about the film or about film in general. Um, we recorded one about Multiverse's Madness um, yesterday, and we're going to record one soon about out everything everywhere all at once because i saw that movie today and it's spectacular okay okay now what if i was not interested in anything i've said before because i'm a dirty liar but instead i'm interested in the filmography of ralph bashke i can't help you oh i can help <gasps> you Yay! there we go yeah, <laughs> a yeah hero I, was, I, was, I was waiting for all the plugs to happen well david and cal go through uh film director filmographies uh every like I don't know the schedule because it's based on how many films the director did, yeah. right? But I will be on for the Ralph Bakshi uh, series, which is going to record on Tuesday. So I have no idea when it releases, but it should be sometime after. Yeah, this. they come out on Friday. So probably the Friday after next. But then who knows when this is really... It's like for hour, it's not. Listen or don't. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, or... You know, here's a pitch here. What if you just like video game podcasts, Smurf? 
What if I just <laughs> like you can't pitch the show that we're on. <laughs> like... So Broken and They're I are on the listening. Dreamcast, <laughs> streaming yeah. uh, bi bi weekly. <laughs> they, really like, there what is this? <laughs> Wait, is this a different podcast? Did you mess, trick me? Uh, final thoughts, everybody. Um, also, I'm maybe appearing in another podcast soon, talking about Metropolis on the Great Reviews Pod. Maybe check that out. I maybe on oh. that may not be. Um, I've been on that a few times. Love those folks. Um, and Did you just get married? No, no. But I'm getting married in. Oh, you in, went to a wedding or something? No, no. I had my stag do. Um, but I'm getting married in July. Oh, congrats oh. on the marriage! Thank you. It's not happened yet. Hopefully, it will. You know. Um, but thank you very much. <laughs> That's a man who's full of confidence. Well, the plague stopped it twice, no, so, you know. No comments here. I think we're going to end on that. Yeah. COVID, right. COVID Brogan, already going the way. Brogan, do we know what our next game is? Isn't it? It's, oh, no. Merv, what have you done? After this, chaos ensued. However, I, uh, through the power of editing, have been able to quickly tie up a resolution to this mess of a podcast. Thank you again, Stephen, for guest starring. You were wonderful. I loved this episode. Um, hopefully it was saved in the editing and you didn't hate us too much for derailing and going a little crazy. But the next episode is going to be on Bioshock 2. And it's going to have a special guest, uh, Acer Aesthetics, who is a uh, YouTuber who does multiple video essays, very good scripted content. Uh, he did some personal favorites of mine, like his Knights of the Old Republic analysis. He also did a Bioshock 1 analysis. So uh, if you want to prep yourself and you're unfamiliar with the series, watch his Bioshock 1 review. And uh, we can go into Bioshock 2 with the lenses on and have a whole bunch of fun. I hope everyone has a great time. See you all again. that he call it war and peace. Elaine. War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> That's a song. They, they took it from Tolstoy. No. <laughs>